Hey everyone, it's a beautiful Friday. It's a little snowy in Minnesota. I know out in Vegas and some other places, it's nice and warm. Arizona, of course, is warmer. The Super Bowl is going to be. This is Locked On Sports, Minnesota's YouTube channel. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Gabe Henderson joining us this week on the Football Friday Roundtable. We got Luke Inman and we got Sam Ekstrom from the Ron Johnson Show. And I want you everybody to know this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com backslash locked on today to get started. And stick around for the end, people, because I came up with a parlay last night. 100 bucks can win you 11,600 and about 70 bucks. You talk about being dialed into two games, mm-hmm. oh, I'll be dialed in because that's a parlay I don't, I, I want to hit. I don't know who, who wouldn't want to put up 100 to get $11,000. Hey, but some things got to happen. We'll talk about that uh, later in the show. But hey, let's jump out there, fellas. We have to talk about the elephant in the room. Yes, Aaron Rodgers might be traded. Yes, the Lions don't really know the future of their quarterback. Somehow, though, the Vikings' odds, the Vikings' odds to win the Super Bowl are lower than the Lions and the Packers. Like, how in the world can the Lions and the Packers be favorites to win the Super Bowl over a Minnesota Vikings team? And we know things are going to change. We know things are, are going to move around a little bit with the salary cap, and I get it. People don't trust Kirk Cousins. Uh, you heard Mike Florio earlier this week go off about Kirk Cousins being just good enough to win games, but not good enough to win you a championship. Let's start with you, Luke. Ron, you mentioned the changes that are going to take place this offseason. I think that's what kind of Vegas is predicting. The NFC North, even towards the end of the season, feels like you started to see a shift in the balance of power. Maybe we're starting to change a little bit. Remember, with one good offseason, any team can go from worst to first. And you look at even Chicago, Ryan Poles, they got the number one overall pick. That's going to be worth a King's ransom this year in a deep quarterback draft. They got over $100 million to spend in free agency, which is absurd as well. But with Detroit. Dan Campbell has really built a real foundation over there, a new culture in Detroit. And you look at the biggest difference between the Vikings and Lions right now. I see one team that has a core of aging veterans on the wrong side of 30 with not a lot of money to work with. And another team in Detroit that they've just built a nucleus of young emerging talent with Amon Ross St. Brown, Swift, Penny Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, a top two pick. Jared Goff was lights out. Jamison Williams, we don't even know what he's going to look like yet. And now they have two more first-round pits. So they're young, they're hungry, they're loaded with talent. It doesn't surprise me, honestly, knowing how much the Vikings overachieved this year. Vegas understands that more times than not, they're probably going to regress back to the mean a little bit after a year where you win literally every single one-score game. Packers are interesting Because they really underachieved this year, too. And now with Rodgers possibly on the way out, surprises me they're almost still up there as a favorite. But at the end of the day, I really think it's just Vegas kind of protecting itself in case he does come back. They don't want to get burned by the betters who got him at really good odds. Their defense on paper should be a lot better than what it was this year. And I don't know, if they want to roll with Jordan Love, I mean, he's shown enough flashes that he could be more than competent running an NFL offense. But I just think, Ron, the Vikings at the end of the day, Just knowing their cap restraints, right, and the fact that they're likely going to have to move on from at least a big name or two, and that's with maybe the worst statistical defense in the league this year, plus knowing they're missing some key draft picks as well. I just don't know how Kwesi can realistically improve this team enough to duplicate the same success, just given the lack of assets, the kind of lack of ammo this offseason. But meanwhile, 
You got the Lions stock. That's pointing way up. Five picks in the top 80 this year, guys. Well, Sam, what you got? Yeah, well laid out by Luke. I think that Vegas is anticipating a big Vikings roster reconstruction, um, which could make them worse. But I also think that it could be addition by subtraction in a few different cases because you're going to have the ability financially to reinvest that money and potentially improve your team. Um, but I think Luke's right. The, the Lions arrow is pointing up. The elevator's going the right direction. Now, what are they going to do at quarterback? We don't know exactly. Are they going to draft the quarterback of the future? Are they going to stick with Jared Goff? Um, and the Packers could change the second Aaron Rodgers is out the door. So it might not end up being the Vikings are number three in the division to win the Super Bowl. Um, it could end up being that the Packers trade Rodgers, uh, the, the Packers fall like down kind of with the Bears in the cellar, and then it's the Vikings and the Lions vying for the NFC North. I think that's a realistic scenario. But, hey, if the Vikings are going to be undervalued, they still have Justin Jefferson. They still have an offense that is ready to win. And with the, that group intact, I think it actually becomes a value bet if people are going to overlook the Vikings to win the Super Bowl. I wouldn't mind putting uh, putting 10 bucks on that. Ron, what do you say? Uh, 10 or 100 to win 11,000? Um, I love a good value bet. I don't know if this is quite <laughs> the same extent, but I would, uh, I'd lay a little bit on that. Gabe, what you got? Yeah, I feel like Luke and Sam took the, uh, the the obvious points, just you know, phenomenal points. So I'm I'm gonna go a little bit more simple, um, and I'm giving a, give an example. So like <clears throat> this morning, right? We started the show. I'm chewing food, right? So fans are probably looking at me like, man, why, why are three guys smiling and another guy's chewing? Well, I forgot to take my vitamins this morning, so I had to I had to get the vitamins in before we started. And I, I look at that as the Vikings, right? Every other show, I've always taken my vitamins early, been ready for the show. And like the first 12 to 13 games, the Vikings were ready. And this is a league of what have you done for me lately? And lately, the Green Bay Packers ended the year with a, with a winning streak. The Detroit Lions ended the year 9-8 and eight on a winning streak. They didn't need their vitamins because they were already young. They're already fit. They already know what to do. And I look at this as a, as a statement of Vegas saying, well, this is a younger team. They've done a lot for us lately, so why not put our odds against them? Yeah, I do agree with Sam. I, I do think this could be a purple and blue division uh, the next couple of years because I still think the Vikings can still contend for at least the NFC North. Just with this current roster, yeah, you're going to have to reconstruct some deals or cut some guys or trade some guys and try to figure some things out. But there's going to be a lot of a lot of moves made this offseason for this Minnesota Vikings team, and a lot of people don't know what they're going to be. So. I get what they're saying when it comes to, yeah, the Packers, yeah, the Lions. Those teams are, are I mean, we know what to expect out of those teams. So uh, we'll see how it goes, but I appreciate you guys not calling me out in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, uh, Gabe. Yep, and we would never make fun of you for chewing because we've all been there. Um, here's where I go with it. Vegas just wants money. If I'm going to look at the people who have the, the, the most hope for their team but also say – this is a value bet. It's the Minnesota Vikings. When you look at Kevin O'Connell, you look at Kirk Cousins is coming back for sure. Justin Jefferson is coming back. Uh, you're going to have one of your running backs in Dalvin Cook uh, or Alexander Madison. So you'll have that back. You're going to have Christian Darrisaw, Brian O'Neill, Ezra Cleveland. Um, guard center, I don't know, John Michael Schmidt, first rounder. It's there. So there's a lot of things with this. Now defensively, and I look at the teams in the, the, the deal right now. The uh, 49ers, for instance, they're 20th in, in the pass game. You look at the uh, Bengals, they're 29th, or no, sorry, 23rd 
in the pass game. The Chiefs, they're two, two, uh, what, 18th in the pass defense game. So, and the Bengals have given up, they were 16th. They give it gave up 335 yards a game. So if you can get some semblance of a defense with that offense, this is a team that, yeah, those odds are worth it. And why not bet a hundred bucks to win more money and just say, you know what, this is this is on the season. I mean, matches Mac is out here betting a million to two million dollars on the Dallas Cowboys. We can easily put up a hundred bucks on the Minnesota Vikings with great odds. And I think that's the key for this. Vegas just wants money. That's it. I don't think anything, because again. They know that if Rodgers leaves, those odds are going to completely go down and tank. And, and everybody's like, it's, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't bet a penny on that because I would rather keep a penny than lose it to the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. There's no way they're going to the Super Bowl without Aaron Rodgers. So that's just Vegas being smart, trying to win money. I get it. Let's move on to the next one. NFC coaches. So we know what the NFC looked like. Dan Campbell. Uh, uh, Kevin O'Connell, uh, you got LaFleur, and then you got Eberflus. Now, Eberflus, to me, uh, I don't know, he, he's just kind of out there. But you look at LaFleur, Campbell, and Kevin O'Connell, those are three coaches this year that kind of took the world over and and really had the 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 and, and LaFleur is because he's an attractive guy. Let's be real. Like the ladies <laughs> like to look at him, he's attractive. But Kevin O'Connell, Dan, Dan uh, Campbell, uh, they got their teams playing well, but Kevin O'Connell's not on this list, he's not on the list for coach of the year. And we talked about that. Now you got Doug Peterson, uh, you got Dable uh, with the Giants. And so when you look at that, you know, you're like, well, he didn't play, you know, it, all those teams. But the teams he did play, uh, he beat one of them, the Giants. He lost to the Eagles. Um, so where do you put him? Was he snubbed? I don't know. But Gabe, what do you think? Was he snubbed? Yeah, I, I do think he was snubbed, but um if you're going to put Kevin O'Connell in that conversation, you got to put Dan Campbell in that conversation. Also, I think both of those guys were, sh should have been on that list just based off of what they, what they did with this team. Um, 14 and well, yeah, four, 13 and four for, for Kevin O'Connell in his first year. Um, the, the, the odds that he had to, to, to work against um, with a low salary cap. Uh, he really didn't have the team that he wanted. You, you have to consider him in that argument. I, I, I would also put Dan Campbell in that argument just of, just because of what he's done with that Detroit Lions team. This is their first uh, winning season in 27, since 2017. Uh, they were three and 14 last year. Um, I, I don't understand how Sean McDermott got in over Kevin O'Connell. Um, th there's just too much. I mean, when you look at Sean McDermott's track record the past couple of years, kind of hitting a, a, a wall every year in that, that AFC divisional game. And then you look at Kevin O'Connell, first year head coach, 13 and four, beat Sean McDermott, gets into the playoffs. Yeah, you didn't get the game that you wanted to win, but th there, there's a, a cause for concern of why isn't Kevin O'Connell in that conversation? So um, maybe next year it, it is a league of what have you done for me lately? And I think, you know, Sean McDermott has uh, the, the people in New York's ear when it comes to, hey, I should be in this conversation or Josh Allen should be in the best quarterback conversation in, in the NFL. But um, I, I think it's a, it's a little it's a little it, it, it baffled me why Kevin O'Connell was not in that conversation. So, um, yeah, he, he got snubbed. Luke, what you got? I don't know. I had to really check myself a few times during the year and ask myself, am I just being a homer or what? Like, what's going on? Where is KOC in this coach of the year discussion? Like, totally understand Nick Sirianni being up there because of the record and what he did with Jalen Hurts this season. But that roster is stacked over there in Philly. And I understand Brian Dable. Maybe no coach 
got more with less than him over there in New York. Shanahan, maybe the best offensive coach in the entire NFL, if not top three. So good for him. But like the Eagles, too, that offense over in San Francisco, that's like a video game, man, what he's working with. Doug Peterson, great first year with Trevor Lawrence. But come on, 13-4, and 11-0 in one-score games. I think the lack of love, the the lack of spotlight KOC got from the national media this season, I just thought it was surprising to say the least. And I guess you can say, well, he took over a roster that was ready to win now a little bit. That's true. But you still got to go out there and do it. You got to go out there and produce. And even though there was talent on the team, no one gave him a chance to win 13 games. I think their over-under at the beginning of the year was like eight and a half. Maybe it moved up to nine and a half right near the end. But massive overachiever in his own right. I definitely thought he was snubbed. Robbed of at least being nominated, right? L- at least got to be in the mm-hmm. top five of those top five coaching candidates for the award this season. Because I'll tell you what, if he can't get nominated after what he just did, winning 13 games in the fashion they did as a rookie head coach, no less, I don't know what it's going to take for him to get in the mix, let alone win the whole thing mm-hmm. outside of maybe just going on a Super Bowl run. Yeah. When I think of coach of the year candidates, I think of who elevated, who got more out of less. I think even with the stacked roster, Kyle Shanahan still had to elevate Brock Purdy. That's a pretty good coaching job. And remember, guys, they were 4-4 and at one point. So for what they did the second half of the year, I think he's deserving. Nick Sirianni, I think best team in the league, arguably. He's deserving. Doug Peterson, amazing second half of the year. Pulled them back from, from nowhere. I get it. Again, why isn't Dan Campbell there? Sean McDermott, uh... I don't know if this is part of the voting. His leadership during the DeMar Hamlin issue I thought was admirable, and it's obviously a very good team. I'm not sure how much he elevated their play on the field this year. The guy that bugs me is Brian Dable because the Giants only won nine games. Now, I know he elevated them from less, but nine games. Kevin O'Connell brought the Vikings five games better than they were last year. And is it because he didn't encounter enough adversity? He didn't have anything to pull them out of because they just won so consistently. Is that the knock on Kevin O'Connell? They didn't have enough injuries, so Kevin O'Connell couldn't persevere through that. Um, He was almost like so consistent and so good this year, um, just in terms of wins and losses, that there wasn't like a big storyline that Kevin O'Connell's pulling the Vikings back from the brink, which a lot of these other guys have had to do. So maybe that's the rationale, but I don't get it. For me... I don't think he was snubbed. I'm sorry. I don't think he was snubbed. And this is why. Now, if you were to say the voting just happened or the nominations just happened, I'd say I totally get it because every single coach on this list won a playoff game. Kevin O'Connell did not. But the fact that it it, it started ended in week 18, I, I can agree with the Brian Dable. Like that one to me is a little bit shocking. Uh, because McDermott, you know, they beat they beat the uh whatchamacallits, the Dolphins. Uh, because you can say, well, the Vikings beat them, but ah, it was a miracle. You could say, well, the Vikings beat the Giants, but they needed a field goal at the end to win in, in overtime. Peterson and the things they did, like you said, you're right. Nick Sirianni, Eagles have the best everything. I mean, you look at their defense, their first, second. I mean, they're just killing it. Like they're they're eighth in, in points allowed, 20.2. So on all facets of it, Nick Sirianni, to me, should win it. Like as far as taking a guy in Jalen Hurts that nobody believed would do what he's doing now and having one of the best attacks in uh, football. But here's where I go with Kevin O'Connell. Win. But not just win the way they won. I mean, I get it. 11 games, close games, it's a big deal. 
but your your defense giving up 400 yards in multiple games, five at one point in a row. I think that's what held him back. His offense, no question, one of the best out there. His his scheme, great. You know, there were times where it stalled, and we're like, what the heck's going on in the third quarter? But you are the head coach. You're not the offensive coordinator. So you're the head coach. Why is your defense so bad? That's where I think this voting came in. Giants, yeah, they only won nine games, but it was a little bit more balanced. Their 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 points for points against weren't as bad as the Vikings. The Vikings were the the worst thirteen win team in NFL history, pretty much. So that's that's why I think he got that knock. Like it's just like, hey, you're not the offensive coordinator. You are the head coach. Why is your defense so bad? We're gonna ignore your offense. Why is your defense so bad? And and it sucks. But that falls on the coach's shoulders because when the defense is great and the offense sucks, falls on the coach's shoulders. That's the name of the game. And that's why he's not up there. So I don't feel like he was snubbed. And we have a fun one coming up because this is something that's kind of taken over the Internet with uh, beef. I haven't seen Twitter beef in a while, but I love it because you got to get your popcorn and you sit back. There's so many different beefs out there. But before we jump into that Twitter beef, because it's I, I truly feel like this would be one of those where it ends up in a fight if you put these people in a room. But before we do that, make sure you download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just go to your TV. Make sure you download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app on the Roku Fire, or sorry, Amazon Fire and Roku on your TVs. And we also have a word from our sponsors. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On. They enhance every moment. And let me tell you what, you can get $150 free when you're signing up for the first time, make a $5 bet, and then win or lose, $150 go into the bank account. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Use their app, which is fun, safe, secure. And check out those NFL lines for this weekend. 49ers, two-and-a-half-point dogs at Philly. Bengals, one-and-a-half-point underdogs at Kansas City. I myself, I kind of like that money line parlay. Take the two underdogs, who I think both can win, and uh, combine those together and enhance your winnings. Do it at FanDuel.com slash locked on if you're joining for the first time. Make the moment more. Well, here's the fun one, fellas, and we're going to be quick on this one. Eli Apple is becoming the joker of the postseason. Now, this is the problem, and I, I, I picked the ba- I picked the Bengals. Uh, and we'll talk about that in my parlay as well. But I picked the Bengals. I, th- I think they should be able to win this game. But Eli Apple is making them so unlikable. Like, <laughs> it's like you want to pull for the Chiefs because you're sick of Eli Apple. Because it, it, you look at all the stars on the Bengals, and you don't see the stars doing what he's doing. And he's out there Cancun on three. And then, you know, and I, and I get he made a mistake, but the hand heart emoji, which is DeMar Hamlin's thing, you kind of knew what you were doing, and then you you had to track it backtrack because one of their defense linemen said, "Dude, like you lucky I can't see." Oh, Shaq Lawson, I think. Like mm. you lucky I can't see you because I put hands on you. And then of course he comes back. Hey man, I wish you had that energy when we played. You were able to win the game. Like mm. I mean, it's just like mm. he's gonna keep being the Joker. Like he's gonna keep antagonizing. Like you know, Cancun on three. Stefan Diggs comments like, "Oh man, okay, that's what we're doing now." You know, I think he called him corny. You know, clout chasing. He's a corny clout chaser. And then he's like, yeah, go chase something in uh, Mexico with your boys. You know, like, it's just like, he's just, he's going to ride it. He's going to ride this wave and he better hope they win. Even if they lose the Super Bowl to the Eagles, which they will, he better hope they win because the minute they lose, he's going to get absolutely attacked. And if he gets beat, (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Like if Juju mm. or somebody hits him with a double <laughs> and gone, oh, he's in trouble. He's Good in thing trouble. Tyreek isn't there. Tyreek could be giving him the deuces. Yeah, Tyreek. Oh my do gosh, that. can you imagine? But Jet McKinnon, you got. I mean, you got a lot of guys in line up a receiver. They got some speed. Uh, but Juju, Juju just mosses them. And that's that is the one thing I will say about the Chiefs. They don't have a Tyreek type of guy. And so that's where Eli maybe is like, all right, I, I'm not going to get too beat too bad. Um, but yeah, he's just losing. So when you look at Pat Beverly and what he's done and how he antagonized, got the Dame, you know, the too small to John ja Morant. Is Eli Apple turning into the Pat Beverly of the NFL? Let's go with you, Gabe. Yeah, I, I do think so. Because um, <laughs> he, he's like, he's one of those guys where, he doesn't really contribute much, but he's going to get the last say so. And it's like, dude, like, what are you talking about? Like, you, you you gave up 15 yards on this catch. You just gave up a touchdown. Like, why are you talking? Like, I, I, I wouldn't mind being his teammate because, you know, there, I mean, Ron, you know, like, there are certain guys on the team that just come to play. Like, it's yeah. just like, you know, like, I know I'm a baller. I ain't got to say too much. But at the same time, if you get me talking, I'm going to talk back. When you got Eli Apple that's talking for you, it's just like, hey, he said it, not me. But, like, if you got something to say, then you can come to me. Eli Apple is one of those guys where he's just always yapping. It's just like, bro, like, look at the scoreboard. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, look at the scoreboard. My team is winning. But, like, what have you done, though? It's kind of like the uh, the Micah Parsons and um, Debo Samuel uh, mm. beef that, that happened after the game where uh, Debo Samuel was like, yeah, you said you wanted us. Right. And Michael Parsons was like, bro, well, what, what did you do, though? Right. Like, that's that's kind of the, the the beef with Eli Apple. And that's what I mean, Pat Beverly, he does that week in and week out. And it's like he did that with Dame Lillard the, the other night. It's like, bro, you, you only scored eight points. Like, why are you talking right now? So I, I get it to your point of saying, well, you, you kind of want to cheer for the Chiefs simply because of Eli Apple. I remember um, when we played the, the Chiefs, not the Chiefs, we played the Bengals last year, week one. And uh, everybody was talking about, you know, how e Adam Thielen was going to turn Eli Apple into apple butter or applesauce. <laughs> and uh, that has happened on numerous occasions from week one last year into uh, AFC Championship this year. So I, I would much rather see Jamar Chase talk trash than Eli Apple. But if that's what that team needs, so be it. I I'm not a big fan of it. But, yeah, he, he is the Pat Bev of the NFL, especially Sam. at this point. Sam, what yeah. you got? Yeah, you mentioned that you you wouldn't mind being his teammate, Gay, but it it seems like the teams he's on don't care that much for him either because he's been on four of them in the last five years. Um, it's funny. I'm on his pro football reference page. It says his nickname is Eli Apple, the quiet assassin. I don't know where he <laughs> got that, who calls him that, if anyone's ever called him that, but he's not very quiet, and I don't know if he's an assassin. If you're going to be an agitator, and I'm all for the agitator in pro football. Uh, you know, Richard Sherman, classic example, but he backed it up. I don't yeah. know if Eli Apple's backing it up quite the same way, but <laughs> you got to pick your spots. You can't just throw everything at the wall and hope something sticks. For instance, I liked his tweet about Diggs and Allen going to couples therapy. I thought yeah. it was funny, <laughs> but if you're throwing out 12 trash talk tweets, it just doesn't land the same. You got to have one tweet and one tweet only to go in leave a little to the imagination don't just pour it all out there don't expose every little beef you have because then it just looks petulant um so i'm i'm not letting it affect my loyalties in this game i think i'm still cheering for cincinnati because i love joe burrow but um yeah eli apple take take a seat <laughs>
I hope Eli Apple gives up the first touchdown to Travis Kelsey because that's part of my part. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Win the game. Yeah. I need the Bengals to win the game, yeah. but I need Eli Apple to leave Travis Kelsey wide open up. That would be a mismatch. Or so, or, or right, because when he because when he lines up outside, the Bengals do play stay like they don't match. So Kelsey can end up outside right. in the red zone versus Eli Apple. I hope so. So Pat Mahomes throws that first fade to him. Oh my! Start gosh. that parlay up, strike up the band, and then let the Bengals win the continue on the parlay. Yeah. Well, here's the difference. Pat Bev he goes 42nd overall in the NBA, which is it's like the equivalent of going UDFA in the NFL. Then he's got to go earn his keep overseas. I think it was Russia, Ukraine, Greece mm-hmm. before he landed back with the Rockets. But since then. He's been named three-time All-Defensive Player. So he's legit. At least he's got some resume. He's fun to watch, fun to root for. Eli Apple, if you remember, was taken with the 10th overall pick by the Giants. That's a premium pick in the NFL. He didn't last three years before he was traded, which, again, for a top-10 pick, almost unheard of. Like, you have to be so bad and such a disappointment that the team just gives up on you that quickly for basically nothing. He went for a fourth-round pick to the Saints. So just from an investment standpoint, If the goal is to buy low, sell high, Eli Apple was a horrible investment right out the gate. He's been on four teams since then in seven years. The dude's made zero Pro Bowls. His PFF grade this year was 55.4. That's 68th out of 64 starting cornerbacks. Let me say that again. There's 64 starting cornerbacks in the league. Eli Apple's one of them. PFF's got him ranked as the 68th cornerback in the league. He's got two interceptions, sure, but he's allowed 11 touchdowns this season. And I'll tell you another thing, too. If you've sat down and watched the Bengals and their defense at all the last month, month and a half, he's lucky he's got one of the better defensive coordinators in the league right now and Lou Anarumo. That's hiding a lot of his deficiencies because his stats would probably be somehow even worse. So Eli Apple, I get the comparisons, but I don't think he's Pat Bev because Pat Bev, like Sam said, not only a tremendous story, but the character arc you love to root for, but he backs up the trash talk with great play. So I think Eli Apple wishes he was anything close to what Pat Bev's done in the NBA. This is what I say. I, I'm never going to downplay a player that's in the NFL because he's a, he's doing the best of the best and he's, you know, he's 68th, but then there's what a million other cornerbacks out in this world trying to do what Eli Apple does. So I'm, I'm not going to denigrate that. I will say this. And I, and I agree with Luke. He's not Pat Bev. Because Pat Bev, when it comes to actual defense, actual heartbeat of a team, actually getting like the Timberwolves are regretting that now. When you think about like they have no heartbeat right now, like they can't when these games are close, they don't have that. Like they when they when the games were close or it was a battle, Pat Bev would be an uh, agitator, but do stuff to it. Like he shut Dame down. And then the the, the guy said, oh, Dame had a slow shooting night. He's like, no, no, he'd have a slow shooting night. I was in his head. Like I was in his, I was in his, I was in his pocket. You know, I was, I was up on him. Like he quit. It don't work. It's not working. Like we saw Pat Bev. He, he said it ain't Dame time. Like, come on now. And so I don't see Eli Apple ever. Now this is, I hope he doesn't do this, but I don't think he will. Cause never mind. Nope. He won't do it. Um, I don't ever see him being a guy that can stop a guy like Justin Jefferson, for instance, and then gritty in front of him. Like, that's not going to be Eli Apple. So he knows his lane. Uh, when you win, hey, you, can, you can tease the people that lost. So he's just teasing the people that lost. But I guarantee his coaches and some of his players are like, hey, dude, chill out, man. Like, calm down. Like, you, you, like I love the meme of, like, the, all the Olympic athletes getting their medals for the team. And then the bottom guy has the champagne. And they were kind of saying, like, at the top – 
you got Joe Burrow, then you got Jamar Chase, and then they went through like 10 other players, and then Eli Apple at the bottom finally gets his gold medal, and he's popping bottles, you know, like, like he's in a club. But, you know, he's having fun. I get it. He earned it. His team earned it for him. And we're going to have to talk about the Timberwolves because Minnesota, there's an experiment, and I'm not too sure this experiment is working out in their favor as we just brought out Pat Bev and his intensity for the Timberwolves. There's more than just that missing in Pat Bev. We'll talk about that. But before we do, remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Viking to- Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. And you can find all of our videos on Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. Well, fellas, we got to talk about the Timberwolves. I mean, it, it's one of those things right now where you don't know what team's going to show up. And I've had this answer the entire season. Gabe, you're a hooper. You understand this as well. Um, is is one cat's not returning and it, it, it he was supposed to come back you know oh it's gonna be a week it's gonna be two weeks and he's still out he's like anthony davis right now where it's like what is gonna happen is this guy gonna be out the entire season when you look at this whole minnesota timberwolves team cat's not coming back was this rudy gobert thing a mistake because the guys that they let go are actually doing work for the teams they got traded to or they're on now do you think it was a mistake? And then what do you do with an injured kick, Carl Anthony Towns? Uh, do you try to move him and get more pieces? Do you try to go away from both bigs and try to make your roster look like the Warriors? I don't know the answer, but I'll start with you, Sam. Well, you're trading low on both of them. I mean, I think if you can't give up on this deal yet, um, you can regret it, but I don't think you can immediately undo it. Um, Rudy, Rudy Gobert has been banged up and also playing poorly and he's just he's got a bad rap right now um carl anthony towns is hurt so if you're going to do any major blow-ups this year um you're not going to get equal value i think you if you're going to make a trade you got to wait until you have a little bit of leverage if the wolves are sitting on a move it would be to fire chris finch like if they Mm. if they went and lost five games in a row right now i think the coach would absolutely be on the hot seat um, because he was tasked with finding a way to get all these bigs playing together. And they they weren't playing well when they were together, and now they're injured. So um, they've actually been playing better of late, guys. They just have been losing down the stretch in a lot of games, and that's been, been keeping them around 500. But there is such an opportunity here. There is still such an opportunity with 50 games in, 32 games left, to figure this out. They are two games from the four seed. The West, <laughs> the West is bad. The it West is. is congested. If the Wolves want to be the team to go on a surge, they could be a home, have a home playoff series. Um, so I'm not going to give up on it yet. There's opportunity here. Get Cat back and then try this thing again and see if it works better than it did earlier in the year. Gabe, what'd you get? Yeah, Sam, you had that right on the head. The fact that, you know, they've been, you know, they, well, I'll put it this way. They've been living under expectations and they're still, you know, a few games behind the four seed. Like that, that pretty much tells you that you still have time to figure it out. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I said it from the jump. I think I was on you guys on your show, Ron, uh, probably a week after they traded for uh, Rudy Gobert. And I was like, this trade is terrible. Like, why, why would you give this much up for a person that's averaged uh, less than 13 points in his career and less than 12 rebounds in his career? Like, granted, right now he's playing to the expectation of what you drafted for. Like, he's mm-hmm. averaging, I believe, like, 13 and 11. So like, he's pretty much on par of what he's done in his career, but 
I, I don't know why, why, why Timberwolves fans expected um, just this, you know, Eiffel Tower 20 and 10, 20 and 15 type of guy to come in and make these kind of plays. Like, that's just not who he is. I, I think uh, this Timberwolves team, you know, gave up way too much for a guy that doesn't really have an offensive presence in the NBA. But still, the fact that you're still only a few games uh, out of the fourth place game, out of the fourth place seed, and you're still in that playoff picture, you still got time to fix it. I, I do think uh, Carl Anthony Towns comes back before the year is over. Um, I don't know if that's after the All-Star break or right before the All-Star break, but I, I do believe if they keep trending this way, they're still going to have time to kind of figure this thing out. Like, it's an experiment. The year one is always an experiment. You look at, I don't even want to, I'm not even going to go down that road. I was about to compare him to somebody in a trade <laughs> that he shouldn't even be in, in the same breath as. But usually when you think of trades of, of this magnitude, it, it takes a year or so to figure out. So there there will be a, a trial period maybe the end of this year and then next year you say okay can Chris Finch really get this thing done if not then you know that's a that's a bigger conversation but still um it, I, I think you're you're getting what you're expected like I don't if, if Timberwolves fans are expecting to win the NBA finals this year or next they're, they're fooled um and I mean it's just as simple as that so yeah that, that that's my take on it mm-hmm. I hate it I hated the move. I agree. I I think you blow this thing up. And and, and, not, and not completely. Like I, I do believe in Carl Anthony Towns. I think they were on to something with him. He is one of the best big man shooting uh players. But you have a guy in Anthony Edwards. And I told Anthony I, I met him at the uh the Vikings Giants game and he and I talked quick just because I'm like, man, because he told me, you know, like I'm a man, I can go play tight end right now. And when I stood next to him, I'm like, you damn right you could. Like, dude is legit 6'5". He's solid. Like, he, I mean, he looked like, I'm like, man, you would, like, in the red zone? Ain't nobody stopping that. Right. Who's stopping that in the red zone? Throw, throw in the fade. And he even said, he's like, man, put me in right now. Now I'm like, you you, you don't want to do the blocking. You just want to catch the balls. <laughs> but here's where I go with this. Anthony Edwards is a guy that needs space. He needs to be able to, when he goes to the lane, like Ja, for instance, it can't be too many people in there. With Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert is always in there. Like, he can't be spaced out because when he's at the three-point line, his defender doesn't need to go out there. So it's like your guy is then going to slough off and be able to help every single time. So it doesn't help. That's the one thing about Ja is when Ja goes, if you notice, there's not another Grizzly within four or five steps because they can space you out and let him create, just like Steph Curry with the Warriors. Same deal. That's why you go get Andrew Wiggins and you have a Draymond Green at your four. Like, that's where, I mean, you got Wiggins at the three, Draymond at the four. That's how small the Warriors go and Clay, and they win. Clay's in there, and sometimes they'll go Jordan Poole, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Wiggins, where Clay's the, or uh, Draymond's the five, and Wiggins is your four, and they're winning. Now, this year they're not winning because Steph's been hurt, Clay's been hurt. We know that. But I, I do agree. I will say, Sam, you pointed out a great point. They're only two and a half game or two games back, basically, from the four seed. They can, I mean, literally three games back, three and a half pretty much back from the Kings. And here's where they can put themselves into a good position. You're playing the number two and the number three teams in your conference in the next three games. They got a back-to-back with the Kings and they got the Grizzlies. If they can win two out of those three, I don't know if it's win, beat the Grizzlies and then beat one and split with the Kings, then we might be talking. But if they lose all three of these and get their butts whooped, again, you got you to kind of figure out, like, what, are, what is our offense going to look like? I, I just don't think this was the right move. I think Pat Bev, that's a guy you should have kept. He's a glue guy. 
But that's just my thought on that. Uh, one quick one, too, fellas. Real quick. There's a debate out there. And I sent this to you, Sam. Gabe, you've mm -hmm. probably seen it. There's a debate that's taken over the Internet. And we're all in the business where we have to take notes for our shows. We have to take stats down. And the media people of the world, one, we're bored because there's nothing. There's not a ton of football on this weekend. It's just a couple games. So everybody's focused on that. But there's a there's a tweet out there about which pin, which pin is the best pin. If you had to pick one or two pins, which pin would you pick? And it is the dumbest thing ever, <laughs> but it has captivated me. And when you look at the pins, I don't know if you've seen this, Gabe. Pulling it, it up now. It's like some some of the nicest pins. I'll text like, you. I'll text like you, Gabe. Mina Kimes has talked about it. It's some some of the the nicest little pins, and it's some of the stupidest pins I've ever seen in my life. And that's one of them where it's like when you look at the pins, you're like, who really does this? Like, what kind of maniac does this stuff? And so, I'll go with you first, uh, Sam. So, like <laughs> yeah. the first pin, yeah, like the first pin is the is the one kind of like the business one. There's another business one, but then there's my favorite number three. It's the push yeah. pin has the soft little deal for your finger, so it doesn't hurt. Then you got like another medium one with the top, but then you got another nice one at five. So three and five would be mine. Uh, six was more like a sharpie marker thing to me. Uh, I didn't like those, but I get it. But then seven is like prison. <laughs> that thing is hard. It hurts. Like it just it is the worst pin. And so Mike Golick put put seven down, which I think he's just being a jerk. Uh Mike Golick Jr. And then Mina Kime said, I want to know who picked seven so that I can report you to the FBI. Yeah. And I agree with that. Those I are the, the serial that. killers for sure. They are because that's the person they're gonna use that and stab somebody. Like, unless you're trying to do a tracheotomy, you don't need that pin. That was the pin in most doctor shows. Where they give people a tracheotomy with that pin. So, Gabe, <laughs> if that were you, which which pin are you rolling with? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm probably going with three, just because of the comparability. Uh, you know what? I'll probably go with five. Uh, I got big fingers, so <laughs> I, I I like the, uh, the I guess the the rubber part. You know, where you can like grip the pen and write. <laughs> and so, like with big fingers, you you automatically write big. So with five, I got a little bit more room to squeeze the pen a little bit and like actually get into my, my cursive and whatnot. I feel like one and two, those are honestly one and two is worse than seven, Ron. You're still I'm writing in cursive? Why, yeah, when I, <laughs> if, if, I, if I sign something, I'll write in cursive. Oh, yeah. like a signature. I, okay, I, right. I got you. So one and two, you got to think you can't use like white paper on one and two because they're going to bleed through the back of the paper. Like that's how hard are you pressing you, though? Why are you pressing so hard? But th those pins are meant to bleed. You got to, you got to think you can shake those pins up. True. You, know, you can see the ink the just ink jumping moves. up and down. Yeah. yeah so like I, I'm not using one and two, and I feel like one or two, like one and two, were made in like the 1960s. Those are like the first ever pins ever made. So I don't I don't trust those pins. They they haven't evolved. They uh very traditional so like i would probably go five um seven and then three like seven, seven? is literally right I, I like seven i like seven seven mean times well you 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 would be reported to the fbi <laughs> sam where you at where do you go with the pins i i can't believe he said seven that he would go with seven no ron you were correct the credit the correct answer is three um very nice grip Good shape, full-bodied, some subtle curves <laughs> in the pen. I like the click caps instead of physically having to take the caps off the top because it's it's easier. You hold it, boom, you click it. 
Um, see right here, I've got a pen by my side and I'm, I'm always, I'm playing with the cap, you know, I sometimes I'll like pull this part off and it breaks. I want the click. The click is superior. So that's why three is superior to the rest. Oh man, Sam, I, I thought you were describing a woman at one point. I'm like, what are you like? I feel passionately. Full body curves. Like, what are you doing? And yeah. then you hit me with, you said, I like the click. And I'm right. Like, oh, okay. Okay. Like the, the click thing, and I know Sam probably hasn't seen this because he does the Kevin Hart special where he talks about being on a roller coaster. Have you seen that, Sam? No, I have not. Yeah, you have not seen that. Have you seen that game? Yeah, I've the seen click. It. Yeah, so it's it's a you got to watch that though, Sam. You could probably just YouTube it, but Kevin Hart talks about the click because he was on a roller coaster, and he was like, you know, in America, mm -hmm. you get the click and you pull your you pull your deal down, and so. Every time now when I go to Disney World, I always do that. Like whenever I feel like I'm not safe, I literally hit the Kevin Hart. And it's like not on purpose, but then I catch myself like telling the lady like, hey, I don't feel this click. Where, where's the click? And people like think I'm joking. Like last time we were at Disney World, one, because I'm black. I got a fast pass. I'm 6'3", 230 pounds. So and I have a hat on in Florida. So people just assume like I'm on, you know, and it, I always go like in March. So people are like, oh, that's got to be a former player or something. Uh, you know, he probably played for the Buccaneers or whatever. And uh, so people think it's a joke. Like they're over there with me, like doing the Kevin Hart thing, like thinking I'm trying to do Kevin Hart. Like, cause, uh, cause Kevin Hart said what he did it like, the, and he was in, I think he was in China. So they didn't understand what he was saying. And the guy was like, so excited, so excited. <laughs> you know, Kevin Hart's like, Hey, I don't, I don't have a click. Like there's no click. But what he didn't realize is one of those where it goes down and then the machine locks everybody at the same time. But he was like looking for the click. I was about to panic. And it just takes me back to Final Destination. So that's why when you say a click, oh, that man. I just start laughing because I'm thinking Kevin Hart, but I'm also like, Sam, like it this is a kid, this is a, a PG show. So be careful of how you talk about these pins with the curves and everything. Uh last one before we get out of here, fellas, the parlay. Uh, for those that don't know, make sure you go to FanDuel. And it does, we know your state, it depends on the state you're in. So we do understand that for Minnesotans. Hey, you can take a two and a half, three hour drive right across the border to Diamond Joe's or right across the Iowa border. When that GPS changes, you can make a bet in Iowa and then drive back to Minnesota. I got a lot of people uh, that I talk to because after I've been talking about FanDuel, people have been hitting me up like, hey, man, you got to drive to Iowa to make the bet. And I'm like, hey, well, for an $11,000 parlay, I might be driving to Iowa uh, uh, <laughs> next week but or uh, sorry, this weekend before, uh, before the kickoff uh, to make a little wager in Iowa. And my in-laws live in Iowa, so I can collect in iowa as well um but here's where we and minnesota please pass the legislation like come on like i know they part uh i was told the legislation fan duels reached out to minnesota about it because we have a couple betting here but not fan duel just yet so hopefully legislation will pass that maybe if they make minnesota vikings a better favorite minnesota will pass it a little bit sooner um but i'd rather have the lower odds i'd say make them a million to one so i can bet a dollar and then they win they win i got a milli <laughs> They would kill it if they had a million to one odds on Minnesota in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it would get like it would literally be a billion Every, dollar surge. Everybody would bet. Everybody would bet that. Like even the Packers would bet that one. Like Aaron Rodgers would be like, I'll put a hundred on that. <laughs> like a million dollars, <laughs> million to one odds on the Vikings. All of a sudden, the whole NFL is bet and they're all tanking to let the Vikings win yeah. so that they can beat Vegas. <laughs> and then it becomes a 30 for 30. The year the NFL yeah. decided to scam Vegas to let the Vikings win their first Super Bowl. And then everybody in Minnesota will be happy. And then we get the asterisks because they're like, that's like LeBron in the bubble. Um, but when you, <laughs> well, it's championship, the bubble championship. People aren't counting that. I don't know why. 
I think he won it. So here's the parlay, people. FanDuel, uh, Gabe, you and Sam can kind of let me know what you think. So the first game, you got the Philadelphia Eagles and the uh, San Francisco 49ers. RJ's parlay, Philadelphia Eagles money line, over 43 and a half. Jalen Hurts, 50-plus yards rushing. So 50, that's the that's the tough one there. 50-plus yards rushing. This That's what's going to kick you up because – 50 yards is a lot for a quarterback, but I think this might be the game to do it if it's a team like the 49ers who are going to try to come after him. And then Jalen Hurts, any time touchdown score, which I think is simple. That one, plus 724. You got to bet $100 to win $724, people. Here's the next one. Now, this one gets juicier for the Bengals and the Chiefs. You got T. Higgins, any time touchdown score. So I'm I like that. To the big guy. Yeah. I like that. Cincinnati Bengals money line. Travis Kelsey. Now, this is where I, it kicked it up to $14,000. Travis Kelsey has to score the first touchdown. That's that's the one. I could have went any. So you can go any Travis Kelsey touchdown, and that will actually bring you back down to about, I think, 824. But I went a little dangerous. Travis Kelsey, first touchdown, and then he also has to get two touchdowns. So that that's one's a little mm -hmm. harder. Mm -hmm. But you bet $100 on that one, $14,000 payout. And here's the other one, um, $10. $10 wage, if you bet both of those and put in an eight parlay leg. So all eight of those from both games, if you put $10 on that. So you could put 100 on the one game. You could put 100 on the other game. And then you could put 10 on both to get $11,000. That's $10 to get $11,000. And that's RJ's parlay. Sam, Gabe, quick thoughts. 30 seconds before we get out of here. What are your thoughts about the parlay, Gabe? I like it. Um, I'm. It's it's so tough, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, it's it's so tough. But I would probably, I mean, I would definitely go with with the Chiefs one over the mm -hmm. the Eagles one because I, I just don't think Jalen Hurts to get 50, 50 rushing yards on the Ooh, San Francisco 49ers okay. defense. Like, I, I just that that's, that, that just sounds a like one. a lot. That sounds like a lot to me, especially for that defense. I got the 49ers winning that game anyway. Um, but yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I'll 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 use use a hundred dollars on the Chiefs. Like I could I could see uh yeah I could I could see T Higgins scoring for sure, but I could definitely see um, Travis Kelty getting the first touchdown of the game. And here's the thing, people too, you can flip the money line. So with all these bets, you can just flip the money line and pick whoever you want in the end. But you can take the three parlay or the three props, and then you can put whoever you want on the money line. It's not going to change much because they're giving both teams kind of even odds. Sam, mm -hmm. what do you what are your thoughts on the parlay before we get out of here? Yeah, it's get it's gonna be tough to win that the Kelsey first touchdown. It seems simple because he's so good. He's Travis Kelsey, but yep. Bengals could score first. Bengals could win the coin toss. Like that that's True. where it's it's random. Um I I think the Eagles won actually because if Hertz decides to run a lot in this game, that could help you with him scoring a touchdown and getting over 50 yards. So it all kind of works together. Um and I think them winning is likely. So I think there are just fewer moving parts to that uh that Eagles parlay. So I would go in with you on that. Yeah, and so for Jalen Hurts, just to look at their offense, they've put up big numbers. He is a runner on teams. I'm looking at teams that have blitzed him, Pittsburgh, some of the other. He he tends to get out of there in that RPO, you want to call it, or that lead rush block where they just everybody goes as a convoy, and Jalen Hurts follows the convoy of players. I, I look forward to Nick Sirianni because he's not going to want to put the 49ers because they're a turnover demon. He doesn't want to put that in their pot. He wants to drain this clock, wear them down physically. But Jalen Hurts, that shoulder, 
There was a bounty on him last week. Pretty sure there's still a bounty on that shoulder this week. So we'll see what happens there. But again, make sure you go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on. As Sam told you before, put your money in. They're going to give you some more money. Who doesn't want free money? Come on now. And then you make this bet. Put it on the parlay. You might turn that 100 bucks into 14000 if you take the Eagles, or sorry, if you take the uh, Chiefs, Bengals, RJ Parlay. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. I want to thank Gabe Henderson for joining us, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Inman, who had to take off and go join the Locked On Draft Party. And so that's why we had to have Luke get out of here. But please continue to like, share, download, comment. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know about your parlays. I know everybody's excited about their parlays this weekend. Let us know in the comment section below. And which pin are you using? Are you a serial killer like Gabe? Are you a normal human being like me and Sam? I want to thank you. Have a great day.